I could never have drawn it up five years ago. Like five years ago, there's no way, shape, or form I would have been like, I'm competing on American Ninja Warrior. Like, <laughs> there's no way. This is episode number 103 with American Ninja Warrior, Alex Weber. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm a real estate investor, lifestyle entrepreneur, and the co-host here, along with my partner, Barbara Allen, who is a Gold Star wife, author, and speaker. And today's episode is brought to you by Verve Forever. Verve is a veteran-owned company founded by our good friend, Tim Clund. Uh, Verve specializes in CBD oil and their product line is great if you're looking to maximize the performance of your workouts or your day-to-day -day activities. Not only that, but Verve CBD oil products can also help you increase recovery time so you can bounce back faster from any challenge, workout, or issue. Plus, if you just need to get back to a state of calm after a busy or intense day, Verve has what you need so you can achieve a state of relaxation and rid the mind and body of toxins, stress, and negative thoughts. So head on over to americansnippets.com forward slash verve to learn more about how you can live an optimized life. You're listening to the American Snippets podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. Today is going to be one of those interviews, one of those talks that is just, I call them the ping pong interviews because today's guest, you just can't nail him down. He's like jello, right? You can't, you can nail him down just as much as you can nail jello down. Alex Weber is fascinating. I think he's fascinating and fun. He is an active world record holder for something you probably will not guess unless you've spent five minutes with him, then you could probably guess it. He is a serial TEDx speaker. So all the, everybody who's tried to get into TEDx once or twice, I got in once. I was like, booyah, I got it. Well, this dude's done it five freaking times that I know of, maybe more since that I've missed. He, is, he has been seen and competed on America's Ninja, America Ninja Warrior. He is one of the youngest coaches ever to be awarded the U.S. Lacrosse Coach of the Year. He is a professional comedian and entertainer, what a comic motivational speaker, which people don't typically put those words together. Typically you say motivational speaker and people gag, but uh, for Alex, nope, they applaud, they applaud. And he somehow manages to have colleges hire him to speak when he himself decided to leave college halfway through. So I love all this. I love this. He's like a magician, jack of all trades and a master of all of them, I think, in defiance of, of the norm. Alex Weber, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Oh my gosh, of course. Thank you. That was a, a very kind and, and generous uh, intro. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I got to have fun with them and I can't really be mean in my <laughs> intro, but you know, all of that is true, right? It is, yeah. It's crazy. Usually when, you know, I'm sitting down to, you know, to dig into guests because I spent a lot of time like stalking you guys, you know, before you <laughs> come on so I can get to know you, but you're just everywhere. You're like, I feel like like I'm like I'm a mom of four kids and I can never sort them all out. I don't know who's coming or going. Like that's you. Like I don't know where you're coming or going next. So I'm excited to see where we go with this. Yeah, no, I'm uh it's definitely been like uh chapters for sure. And like now there's a lot going on, which is good and kind of sometimes challenging. But uh but yeah, I'm I'm so pumped. It can get overwhelming when you're doing so many things. Let's dial back. We'll start a little bit chronologically, and then we're just going to go and see where it goes. Cool. So give people some sort of you know perception and grounding awesome. roots. You know, we have one thing in common in that we're both New Yorkers. Yep. Which is, um, depending on where you go in the country, that's a good thing or a bad thing, right? <laughs> but uh, it's a beautiful state. But you got out. You went to the the warmth and the beauty of California. If you're going to yeah. pay a lot of taxes, man, you may as well not freeze while you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I grew up in New York. Uh, yeah, you've like, you know, your research, you're talking about like the dirt roads an hour north of New York City yeah. and like, uh, love, I love New York and like, I love uh, New York people um, and then went to college in Philly and kind of, that's where shifted paths from doing finance, which is what I was doing at Penn to right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 
shipped up and, and came to California. All right. So a lot of people that you know, dial in and talk with us and, and connect with us, they're people who have that same fire, have the same passion, right? Either they're looking to branch out and do that thing that they love to do, but they're nervous. They have no idea how to go about that. You know, I grew up in a world where I, you know, I had brochures in my guidance counselor office and you could do one of six things and go to one of six yeah. colleges and you had to do that, right? The thought that you could do what we're doing, what you're doing, just mind boggling. That was for other people, right? So we have people who come to us and want to know how to grab onto that thing that they love doing and, and go with it and they're afraid to do it or nervous about it, you know, and they, and they don't know how to go about it. And then we have other people who have started down that path and are a little stuck or maybe people who are like, in that rut of life that you talk about avoiding and then get trapped and all of a sudden they look up and they want to gasp for air, right? So your story hits on all of those, whether you are like someone who's looking to get out and do that thing you wanted to do, whether you started and you're a little stuck or you woke up and you're like, oh my God, where's, where has my life gone and how do I get out of it now, right? Yeah. How did you, you had that moment in college, so a lot earlier than a lot of people do in life where you were Penn State, that's not easy to get into. <laughs> Yeah, the uh yeah, it was I was playing lacrosse and uh what I think I, I'm most fired up about with it is it was kind of a crazy thing because I was just so into lacrosse that that was my end all be all was to play college lacrosse. And when I got there it was a good school and I just did whatever the older kids were majoring in. That's what I majored in and what my friends were majoring in, which was like still good stuff. It was like finance and business. And it wasn't until uh, my senior fall that I actually kind of looked around and thought to myself, like, what do I really want to do? You know, and is it this and is it not? And kind of just gave myself, asked that question and then answered it honestly. which that is what uh, fires me up now is I feel like that question of what do I want to do yeah. should be asked of people in middle school, high school, college. Like it should be in the curriculum. Like it should be plastered above the chalkboard. Like what do I want to do with my moments, you know? Yeah. Or who uh, do I want to be instead of yes. like what yeah. do you want to be? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, like now that's definitely – what really gets me going is just encouraging people and supporting people to do that. So talk about that moment. And, and I saw or heard it, you know, another interview you did with that campfire and that moment you had, because <laughs> a lot of people, you know, they, they wait for those moments and they think these moments are going to come, but maybe they come and they don't recognize them. Like, I think a lot of people could have had the campfire moment and just not recognize it. Right. But so talk about that moment for me where you're in college, Penn freaking state, you're in Penn state, you're on track. <laughs> Right. And you're doing what everybody's quote supposed to do with their lives. I think like, and and you nailed it. I think those moments happen like uh, where the voice inside of us, whatever you want to call that voice, if it's like your gut, if it's the universe, if it's God, if it's intuition, whatever that voice is, that's like, Hey, this, like you. McFly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I think it's tough because we have those thoughts and I feel them too with like things now in my life of, oh, this is really like something that I want to do or want to dedicate more of myself to. And then I think fear, however we verbalize fear, if it's like doubt, if it's pressure, if it's unrealistic, I think that voice then comes in as practicality and we're like, oh, but no. And we kind of make a case against it. Yeah. Um, but I think like, and especially now also, I, I think a danger is like phones. I found like, I'll have a thought and I'm like, oh, that's my like soul speaking. And that's what I really want to do. And then my phone buzzes and I'm like, wait, what was that thought? Like, what was my soul saying again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. um, so I think just listening to those moments. Um, but one, one kind of, I think, encouraging thing about it is if it is something in us, I don't think it chirps up just once. I think it chirps up often yeah. and keep like pushing it down and it's like wants to float back to the surface. And eventually we either like just suppress it or we allow it to come out. And uh, yeah. yeah. Great. So you didn't have, and I want you to share the story, you know, with our community. Um, you didn't have a phone, I'm guessing at the campfire <laughs> that night, right? <laughs> 
no phone. Yeah. Thankful for it. Uh, That's excellent. My son is yeah. like that. He's 20 and he takes off all the time in the woods. He's like, I don't need my phone. Like he loves it. You know? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's his best moments, but yeah, I, I digress. I interrupted. Go for it. No, that's, I mean, <laughs> so like that night, it was so nuts because every, it was like a Friday night and all my friends were doing what you freaking do in college on a Friday night. You go out, you go to a party, you go to a bar, whatever. And me and three of my friends were like, Hey, let's just hang out and chill tonight and we'll make a campfire and we'll just talk. And which we'd like, it was in four years, we'd never once said let's make a campfire. <laughs> like we're in Philly. And yeah. like I've said this before, like the campfire was not like elegant. We lit old magazines with lighter fluid and just like burned them all. Yeah. And we're in like our small West Philly backyard, but it was awesome. It was like literally one of the only times where with good people actually talking about like, Hey, what do I want to do? And where do I want to be? And what does it look like? Yeah. yeah. And that's when you were just like, you know what? I don't think Penn State is for me. <laughs> it was <laughs> So I did finish, but I changed my like, literally what was going on was uh, I was like applying to finance jobs, like not with my heart, just like right. this is what I got to do. And like was applying. Um, and even though I knew I wanted to do entertainment and like comedy and all that, and literally that night at the campfire, I just started writing down just honestly what I wanted to do and how I felt about things like everything and what I felt about lacrosse, what I felt about the girl I was dating, what I felt about like me and my life and what I wanted to do. Um, and then the next morning I woke up, read all those pages. Uh, and that was that I stopped doing finance. I remember like vividly closing the email to apply to a finance job and then started to apply to like student films in Philly and things like that. Um, and I'm thankful for it. I kept those sheets um, from that night and like the promise that I made to myself, which is never, I honored it, which I'm excited about and thankful for was to just follow your fire and whatever yeah. it is that really gets our heart going. And we know we want to do it because I just think that's when the best parts of us will yeah. come out when we really, really, want to do something. Isn't that a great feeling? Like that moment when you take that first step, right? It can go from something like you could just slowly get more and more miserable, more and more stifled, more and more suffocated and convince yourself of all these reasons why you can't do it. But then the moment you take that, you do that one thing, you just do that, take that one step yeah. that's like send off the one email or yeah. like go to the one meeting or make the one phone call. You're like, it just changes something in you. Right. And and it's like, there's just no going back. That's how I think you know that, that that you're on your path, right? Like when you do that thing and there's no, like talk about the difference. You went to, you got up one morning and then, and everything was, I'm in Penn State, I'm doing finance, doesn't feel right. And then the next morning you've written that list and you've shot off that email. Like talk <laughs> about the, the feeling, like how did you feel differently in those two days? Like the 24 hours. Yeah, and I think one thing, yeah. Barb, that you said that's so great is like, Really starting is the biggest thing because I think before we start and I feel it again in my own life and that's like part of it is I try to like uh, all this stuff is ongoing. I don't think it ever yeah. stops, right? Whatever our new thing is, if it's in a relationship where we're like, I want to start working out more, eating better or start a business, um, we always have these new kind of pursuits. Yeah. Um, but starting is just is just everything. Um, so once I made that, like, there's, I guess, different waves of it. Cause the first wave was like, okay, me, I'm all in, this is what I'm doing. Then the next wave was, I told my family. Yeah. Uh, and my parents <laughs> were like, I, I really appreciate what they said. They were like, okay, uh, take a second and just make sure this is really what you want to do. And I did. And I was like, I'm doing this. And they're like, okay, then do it. Um, Perfect. and, and I really appreciate that. I mean, they, you know, had kind of told me like when I was in eighth grade was when I had the dream of playing college across and that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and they were, and it's a very difficult thing. Um, but I think they knew how dedicated I was to that. And that if I could apply that now to yeah. this, that it would 
yield good things. Um, so even if it wasn't what I had studied for or why I went to college and all that, um, yeah. So they were they were super cool. One of the funny things about it was, you know, I did go to like uh, a school where it was finance driven, and my I was in a fraternity. I was playing college across, which was like very intense and like pretty alpha male energy. Uh, so like me to be like, I'm doing theater was not <laughs> like, it, I, I didn't tell them. I didn't tell any of them. Um, and one of the funny parts, like I finally started to tell like some of my like closest friends because what would happen is some of these student films would like film on Sundays. So we'd like have a party Saturday and then everyone would like get together and I would like sneak off to go to the <laughs> student films and I would tell them like I was visiting my aunts. And they're like, how many ants do you have? <laughs> like every weekend you're going. Um, but one of the funniest parts was my coach at the time, my college coach, everyone, 99.9% .9 of people who played Penn Lacrosse went to finance. So he could understand people like missing a practice for like a big finance interview. If you had to go to New York City or something like that, he would not have understood. I had this one TV commercial that I got in Philly, but I couldn't tell him. So I lied to him and told him I had this big finance interview, filmed it and never told him. And then like a month later, it started airing in Philly. And he was like, uh, so you want to talk about this now? Or <laughs> What was the commercial? Oh my gosh. It's so silly too. <laughs> you know, it, I have to ask. <laughs> it exists somewhere. Uh, oh, I didn't find it. I got to find it. Now. <laughs> you would have to dig very deep. I'm uh, going to find it. God, but what was it? <laughs> it was for... Pennsylvania auto insurance fraud. And it was like, it was like almost like a PSA. Maybe it was a PSA for like, if you get in an accident, like you have to have insurance before the accident. Like my girlfriend, you could see her car was all like screwed up and she's calling an insurance company being like, no, my car's great. And I'm like the bad boyfriend peer pressure, which is not who I am. But, uh, yeah, so silly. That's excellent. That's yeah. like, but how did you do this? So you had this idea, you wanted to do it. You're like living this kind of double life, right? But what, how did you even go about getting that commercial for people, you know, cause to say, oh, I wanted to do this. And now all of a sudden you're in a commercial, which is like fun to make fun of and all this, but it's still not easy to get into no, even a Pennsylvania right, like, auto fraud commercial. You know, <laughs> and like, I appreciate those questions. Cause I'm like remembering certain memories yeah. of like, you know, one of them, for instance, was like, and it goes back to what you were saying about just starting. And like, I think the quality or the commodity of showing up, even though it's overwhelming or uncomfortable, like that is so massive. So it's yeah. like, and that parallel keeps coming. Cause like, whether it's like training in American Ninja Warrior or in college where I remember I like cat took a cab down to this like random open call for this casting director where you could just like, I think do a five minute monologue for this guy. And he would like put you, that would put you on his radar. So I was in like the theater class at Penn and just took a cab down, like did the monologue was so uncomfortable the entire time. Uh, but he was like, Hey, you're good. Like, let me recommend you to this like agent. And then that was uh, the commercial audition. And so like yeah. things lead to things and it's, yes. I think in everything in life, it's just like exactly what you said of just starting that pinball or snowball of just getting the chain reaction going because um, things lead to things. Things do lead to things and some things hold spaces, but everything that you're doing will teach you something to carry with you into the so next, next thing too, right? So you're an athlete. You're a comedian. You're always that person, like that kid at home is always cracking jokes, making them up. Like that's just like in you, right? Like you could. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. I just took a guess. I took a long guess on that one, right? But <laughs> no. I'm the um, youngest kid. I think there's probably like a textbook definition for that. Yeah. 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 I know. Mine has a scathing sense of humor too. Really? That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, so then you move on. You're you're doing all these things, and but you kept up with the athletic side of you because sports and athletics are also something. It's like these two things that kind of keep you going, right? That you, that kind of fuel your own fire, right? So you have found a way 
some people, you know, sometimes you think like you have to just go all in on one and abandon the others or make one the side hustle, but you have somehow managed to like marry those two where you get to do it all and, and you've done it all. <laughs> and like, so I have to ask about the American Ninja Warrior because that's like a name that everybody, you know, recognizes and does. I, I think probably everybody's seen at least one or one episode yeah. of it, you know, even the people, and then you have the diehards, right. Who just follow that. But totally. even people who aren't diehards, I think know what it is. I don't know. That's great branding and great everything they do because freaking everybody knows what American Ninja <laughs> Warrior is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I love that world uh, yeah. so much. Like couldn't be more thankful to be a part of it. And it's like, yeah. So they've been around for 11 seasons and it's just like, the, it's so cool. They've created a, like it, the sport of ninja is a huge sport now. And it's really because of what American Ninja Warrior created. Uh, so it's so cool. Like my journey with it was I started out as a host and was just like a goofy comic dude who so, like- So uh, stop. How did you just start out as a host of American Ninja Warrior? <laughs> well, you know what? And it's again, like I appreciate these questions because like that is- you know, maybe like what I just say to people, but again, it was like, I was doing acting out here. Um, but I didn't really love it. Like I knew I wanted to do entertainment and I loved comedy and like acting is just kind of like, I guess what you think of, especially me, like I didn't know much about entertainment. I grew up in New York where like everyone I knew. Nobody's entertained in New York. Yeah. Like, you know, I have friends who like had construction companies, their parents are like a dentist or a lawyer, but like never this world. Um, so I came out and was doing acting, but it like, I liked it, but I never really loved it. Um, and, uh, you know, like I've thought about it since. And I think a lot of it was like, cause acting, you're essentially like being someone else. Yeah. And it's like, I want to be me. I'd rather you like, that's, you know, I don't mean that to sound like vain or whatever, but it's like, I think, and people listening to it, like we're doing work on ourselves. We want to be our best selves. So it's like, <laughs> wait, now I'm going to pretend to be like a 17th century pirate. Like, no, I'll just, I'm just going to be Alex. Like, <laughs> so that's where like, I got drawn to hosting and same thing, like very similar to the college casting director story. I just showed up to this like open invite for like a hosting thing. Um, and went through like their workshop and then started doing a class. And this one uh, casting director, um, I took her class and she was like, you're really good. Like, I'll recommend you to an agency. And she, she didn't. And I followed up for, followed up for literally a year. <laughs> like how many restraining orders? <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's so funny. Cause I think about that now of yeah. like, why didn't I on like the 11th month just be like, Hey, maybe this isn't going to pan out. But I, it kind of just became this thing where I was just like, every time, like super polite and super kind yeah. and gracious, but like, Hey, any chance this would still work? Thank you. Hey, just checking in from the That's life. great. That's great. And yeah. out of like, the what's blue, the worst that happens is that she just doesn't answer you or totally. yeah. Yeah. get on the block list. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. But then out of the blue, she was like, Hey, I'm going to connect you with, this uh, uh, hosting agent, Paul Barusha, and she did. And that, you know, what's another funny thing? Um, and like, you're just kind of evoking these like- Yeah, good. From it, but good. I, I definitely think there's a lesson in this one is I remember sitting down with him and uh, like very thankful for the work that we ended up doing. But in that first meeting, I remember sitting with him and him being like, yeah, this is really tough. Like, this business is really tough. There's not a ton of opportunities right now. Like, I don't know if like, it, it was not optimistic. Like right. it was like very, I'm like so psyched after a year of following up, I'm going to the meeting, like I'm with the agent and he's like, I don't really know if there's anything here. <laughs> and I remember saying to him like, okay, like I'm here. I'm committed to doing this. Like, how can we figure out something? And nothing really happened. And then that fall, I just went off and I filmed a bunch of stuff of me doing what I felt like I was good at. Like I had had this random idea of doing different things to become like a legend. So like taking random people's dares 
to get things named after me. So I would go into like a pizza place and be like, what can I do to get something named after me? Or go to a bar and be like, can I get a shop named after me? And I had- Did it ever work? So I I basically went around in New York City, literally just walking into places and being like, what can I do? And like this one Italian place was like, eat this super ridiculous hot sauce and we'll name this meatball after you. And I did it. Oh, that's hilarious. Made me like some super crappy shot. Like it was like tequila and Tabasco or whatever, but they were like, all right, you do this and we'll make it the Weber. And so I just went around, someone dared me to go streaking in Times Square and I did these things. Uh, <laughs> Nobody like, would even notice in Times Square. Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. There was like a few, t- I remember a side note, I did the streaking and I got down to my <laughs> boxers and I looked up and there was like uh, a cop with like freaking machine gun. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop here. This is fine. Like <laughs> we're good. Uh, so, I, and then I, I put all that together and, and like, as like a new reel, which is really just like, a showcase for yourself, which I think is like maybe the takeaway lesson here. And then I gave him that and he was like, oh, maybe we can do some stuff. And then there was all this, I started getting all these things. I did like a thing for the Grammys and a thing for like FX and a thing uh, for like MasterCard. And then that was what led to getting pitched for Ninja. Um, So I think the takeaway there is like, Don't streak People in don't Times Square. See yeah. Like, yeah. would you say? I said, don't streak in Times Square. Don't yeah. Streak, Times Square. <laughs> streak a little okay. bit. Yeah. But, but I, I think We're like good. what's dangerous about it is like if you want to do something or you have an idea or you feel like you even have this quality about you where like you know you're very funny or you know you could be an artist or start a tech company or whatever it is for you, um, people don't always see it until you show it. So kind of cultivating that skill and giving some outlet to create with it just to like start and get it out there because once something is showable, then people can see it and understand it and get behind you or criticize you, but at least they're talking about you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's great. And so, like, maybe somebody who is totally into American Ninja Warrior has a like course back in their yard yes. and practices and wants to be on that. I mean, maybe they're like, I want to be a host, and they think like just the fact that they're so into American Ninja Warrior is going to make them qualified for a host. Don't realize that you have to cultivate all these other things and pay your dues and all that. So, it's 100%. like not yeah, it's not always that straight path. Like there's all these different there's so many different ways to get where you want to go. And you never like had you sat in Penn State a couple years ago and said, you know, one day I'm going to host American Ninja Warrior. Would that ever right. have even crossed your mind, right? You know what? And- <laughs> it's so true. You like you're yeah. nailing it. And I think like uh, and I don't mean to interrupt. You just got me excited. No, please, if somebody has to stop me, go ahead. It's your interview. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh. <laughs> No, like you're, you're so right. I I like, I struggle now with like the five year, you know, people always talk about five year plan and like, I have an idea of who I look like and what I'm doing, but I'm hesitant to like nail it down because some of these things that have occurred in my life and have been going on that are like really wonderful blessings of like life. I could never have drawn it up five years ago. Like five years ago, there's no way, shape, or form I would have been like, I'm competing on American Ninja Warrior. Like, <laughs> there's no way. Um, and, I, and I'm just like, I get goosebumps and like even just saying that, like I'm so thankful for it. So I think, and one thing that you mentioned is like, uh, definitely knowing like an idea of where you want to go, but just kind of being open about what life might bring with it. Do you ever stop and think, had you just stayed the course and gone into finance and done that? Like, can you picture that Alex Weber, like what he would have been? Look at your face. You're like, no, 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 no. No, I do. And like, here's the, that's such a good question. It's like, Here's the thing. He would have been fine. Like, it wouldn't have been horrible. Like, I don't, I think that's one of the dangers is like a lot of the habits we're doing or the life we're leading, it's not bad. 
Like if it was a dumpster fire, then of course we'd all like <laughs> change everything, but it's pretty good. Like the job that we're doing is probably like fine. And the, the finance job that I would have gotten would have been fine. I would have hated it. I don't see any way I would have liked it. And I probably would have been like eating my feelings away or drinking <laughs> probably way too much. Cause that's yeah. like very popular in that realm in New York. And like, um, I think I would have ultimately still left it, but probably later. So maybe another, uh, takeaway from that. Cause yeah. I feel it with comedy as well. Like I always wanted to do stand up comedy, but I kept rationalizing it and putting it away cause I was scared. And then about four years ago, I finally had an honest moment where I was just like, all right, Alex, here's the deal. You can either do it and it'll go however it'll go, or you can be okay with the fact that you're going to be on your deathbed regretting it. And like no wrong answer, either one's fine, but like either be okay that you are going to have this as a life regret and you can, you don't have to do it or freaking do it. And you know, who knows where it'll go, but you won't have the regret. Uh, yeah, that and was another go- one of showing up and sucking. Sorry. So, yeah, no. How did I was just going to ask you how, how was that first time out? Oh, <laughs> uh, and I know we're ping pong and we're going. Oh, I love it out. though. It's great because that's that's who you are, man. You're everywhere, so we got to touch on it all. It's uh, gosh, it was nuts because literally what I would do is I was like, all right, if I want to do comedy, I got to just like get into this world. So I would just every night go to stand-up shows, like indie stand-up shows, um, and just be there and say hey to people and tell, you know, watch their comedy and just say, hey, I'm Alex. Like, you know, and, this and is movies. while you were working other jobs, like while you were yes, doing so, to pay the bills. The, I'm trying to think of like the express background to it. So I coached uh, my quote-unquote side job was coaching high school lacrosse. And that was supposed to be my like version of waiting tables, right? Like okay. that's the classic. I'm going for entertainment, but I have a side job. Okay. But literally I started coaching high school lacrosse and I was like, well, this is the only thing I care about. Uh, <laughs> like just loved it so much. And what I'm doing now is literally who I was as a coach, which is like so thankful for that. Um, but yeah, so I coached, I was assistant coach uh, for three years. I first coached at Malibu High School and then coached at Harvard Westlake High School, which is like a very intense uh, private school here. Um, I was assistant coach for two years. Yeah, I was assistant coach for two years there. Um, And then the head coach left. He got a job in real estate on the East Coast. So he left right before the season. And the school was like, all right, Alex, I was twenty five or 26, they were like, you can be interim head coach for this season. And then we're going to find someone more older, more established, all this stuff. And I was like, you know what I, and before this, I was like, maybe my passion for lacrosse has kind of gone away. Maybe and my passion for coaching has gone away. And I was like, you know what? I remember talking to my mom uh, and I'm like thankful for that conversation. And I just was like, you know what? I've played lacrosse since I was five years old. I do love coaching. Let me just go all in for this season. Let me go all in and then I'll say goodbye to this sport and I'll move on. I went all in, gave it literally everything I had. It was my number one priority, the only thing I cared about. Um, And before that season, the school had never won a playoff game in the school history. That season, we won the LA championship, uh, which was like so cool. The kids won awards. I got the US Lacrosse Coach of the Year in LA, which was like, meant so much to me. And I was like, well, I'm not done with this at all. I love <laughs> yeah. this so much. Um, coached for two more years. And then it was like, I'm, I'm big on recognizing the end of chapters. And like, even if it's something that's so wonderful and we love, we can't force things. And that's like a truth of life I keep learning is like, if it's not a fit, it's not a freaking fit. And it's just time to move on. Um, yeah. And this was like a natural close where I'd coached and I felt like I was drawn to being, to doing other things. Um, And the kids that I had coached 
from seventh grade were graduating and it was just time to move on. So anyways, yeah, that, so the comedy. Okay. That is <laughs> what was really interesting is I had started doing stand up then, but only one foot in and one foot out. So I would like coach the high schoolers and wear this school's crest and be like a U.S. lacrosse coach of the year. And then I would change in my car and go tell silly jokes on stage. Uh, So like the school didn't love that, but (laughs) they didn't love that by any stretch of the imagination. But the kids, like the kids did because it was like, I think relatable. Um, But anyways, then I got into hosting and the hosting was picking up. So when American Ninja Warrior started, it was also when I was like all in for starting comedy. So what was like so crazy about that chapter is literally I would spend the day beginning American Ninja Warrior athletic challenges, like training, and I would suck so freaking bad, just be humbled, and I was terrible. And then I would go to stand up, and I was terrible there. So it was literally like... (laughs) Failing and sucking like by terrible. Day. I mean, did you get booed or did people just not laugh? And what's worse? Oh, tell me, tell you, 10 minutes is a long time yes. if you are <laughs> sucking. Yeah. Uh, and like yeah. comedy is very naked. Like, yeah. uh, I always joke, like, you know, it must be nice as a musician because like you have your song, you, you know, it's good. Even if it's not good, it's like a song. You've got your instrument. It's like a thing that you're delivering. Comedy is just freaking you. And, a, and an amplified voice, but it's just freaking you. Um, and it's definitely a craft. Like you mentioned being like a funny dude uh, in like locker rooms. And I have so many friends who are so funny and I'm like, you could do stand up. And I, and I think part of them wants to really what it is, is it's just, it's a craft and it's just learning how to do that thing. So in the beginning the first show I ever did, was at this comedy club and I came out and I told funny stories and it went great. And I was like, oh, comedy is freaking easy. I got this. And then the next show I did was at like a smaller place and it was like more of an indie crowd where you like actually had to do real comedy. And I sucked <laughs> and did not get a one laugh for 10 minutes. And probably oh, for no. first, like for the first four months, every time I did stand up, it felt like, like I would just black out up there and have no idea what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Did I see too, like now you travel all over the world, right? Like, did you do a comedy show in Budapest? Yeah, that was like, bananas. How did, yeah. So A, how does that even happen? And B, how do you adapt to like, there have to be cultural nuances and things that are like funny there yeah. that are not funny here or, or vice versa. Like, well, it's, how, it's, how do you prep for that? And how did it go? (laughs) So there's like, there's two answers, which, uh, like, so the show was super fun. It was for comedy. It was for English speaking people in Budapest. So like that was fortunate that they knew English. If they didn't know English, let's be real. It's not going to go great. Uh, (laughs) but like, you know, I've done, uh, speaking in comedy in Canada and then Austria and England and and now Budapest. And like they're, the main thing is, I think references is just like, if you have super specific references, like those aren't going to travel, right. you know, to different places, but truths do. So like, I had like a funny breakup story, like that's, you can speak any language and like, we all screw up in dating. Like that's, you know, universal. Yes. Uh, so that was so fun. And that's like another, um, being the Budapest was crazy. Cause it was such a, like a, a cool thing of community because like within like two days I trained with the Hungarian Ninja Warrior over there, like, which was super cool. And then I played with the Budapest lacrosse team, got to do this comedy show in Budapest. And then I also ran at this company, uh, basically how to use humor for business and leadership. How long was this trip? Not long enough for all these, but it was, it was, (laughs) one after another but it was like i love that stuff that's like awesome it was cool it was cool yeah <laughs> yeah that's wild i love that i love that they and did you did you have all of those things lined up when you went there or did no. any of those just <laughs> you went there for the comedy so i was speaking at this awesome festival 15 second festival in graz austria so of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so cool like i loved every part of it and like 
a credit to them. They were like, Hey, when do you want your return flight? Like, and we can do it right after the festival. Or if you want to like travel, we'll do it later. And I was like, hell yeah. Like that sounds awesome. So I literally just like pulled up Google maps and zoomed out from Austria. And I was like, Oh, Budapest is supposed to be cool. And I was like, <laughs> let's go there. Uh, so when I went there, I, I mean, like that is as much as like, I have love hate with technology, but like, what's awesome about it is I literally just shot, you know, a Facebook or Instagram message to some of these places and was like, Hey, are you guys practicing? Are you guys training? And like that company asked me to come and, and do that workshop. And, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was cool. So you just randomly decided to go to Budapest and then landed three amazing experiences yeah, in Budapest. It- I would go to Budapest and be happy if I didn't get like lost on the subway. Right. And you're like, (laughs) you're like, let me just go to Budapest and own it. Like, what did you get named after you while you were in Budapest? (laughs) That would have been a cool move. That would have been a cool move. uh, Well, it's just, I, I think it's also like knowing ourselves of what we enjoy. And I just like, I've tried to do the like, let me go to sites and let me go to an art museum and let me yeah. like, and, and like, you know, I don't want to be ignorant or like not appreciate the history and the culture, but like, I don't enjoy it. And yeah. so like, I want to like see it to like, I know this is important and I know that like this means something. So I want to see it, but like, in <laughs> terms it's over of there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. That looks yeah. big. What is that? Yeah. yeah. But like, That's great. In terms of like enjoying a trip, I much prefer to like do things with people. That's like more my speed. I, I'm gathering. That's <laughs> crazy. So you're friends with a lot of the people who've competed on Ninja American yeah. Ninja Warrior. Do you ever just all just get together and hang out? It's that word hang out. Uh, this hang is what I was like going to ask. Like, it. and what yeah. does that mean? Like, what is it like? They're just such a American fun Ninja Warriors hang out. Like I got these beams and these rafters in this room yeah, now, and I'm they like, would climb them. yes, climb them, 100%. Yeah. that's like a fun thing. Is like, yeah. and Nick Hansen, the the Eskimo Ninja, said it best. He's like, when you're with ninjas, like ninjas look up, and it's like, it's so true. And I've like found that over the years, like that quality of me has uh, developed. Where like, if you're walking the street, you're like oh yeah, that would be like this kind of a climb or like this kind of a thing. And it's like, it's fun to, I like get a kick out of as a lot of them do. Like when you're in a city, just like climbing up something random. Oh my God, please don't let my son hear you say that. (laughs) Forget it. We're just going to edit this part out. No, no, no. (laughs) No, I I do it at like a very moderate level where I'm like, all right, I know this and I, I know that I can climb this. And like, but um, there's a few people who like, like Drew Dreschel, Ethan Swanson, um, a bunch of people who are like, they'll do some pretty intense things like climb across bridges or like parkour literally up a apartment building. And like, <laughs> but it's like, what's so cool hearing them talk about it is like, it really is just uh, so much faith in themselves and what they can do. You know what I mean? It's not reckless at all. Right. Yeah, it is a huge, like hugely powerful. Like you know, you go where you look, you go where you believe, right? And I think those people that are just a hundred percent, you can always tell the person who is a hundred percent behind themselves and just believes in it versus the person who has a little doubt. I'm the person that you know, I, some things yeah. I believe in, and some things I'm like, I think, I, oh, maybe I can't, and boom, I go down. But you know, you know, the, the person next to me is like, I got this, and you know, off yeah. they go. The same risk, right? Same leap, same top. Same, uh, same ability, but it's the, it's the mindset and the belief that just kind of get you there or don't get you there. So All right. I, I got a last couple things because I know we're, we're running the clock here and I, I, I could talk to you for like four hours. And just <laughs> this is fascinating, right? Oh, this um, is so fun. <laughs> I have to ask you, what is, say, what's the last like really dumb thing you did or thing you'd classify? And, I, and don't be like, oh, nothing's oh, dumb tough. because we all learn, but right. But like something that was just dumb. I... Uh, all right. Well, like this is an immediate one is like, I, if I'm going to a parking garage, I'm going to park and never look at any signs. Like I, I, I can't tell you how many times I go back to a parking garage and I'm like, couldn't tell you for the life of me if I'm on fourth floor, third floor, D E blue, pink, like 
there's been too many times and my car doesn't have one of those beep beeps now. Mm-hmm. There's been too many times of me annoyed walking around a parking garage. Like this is the last time. And it's not, it's not at all. Uh, do you carry thing, a phone with you? Do I carry a phone with me? Yes. Yeah. It's always for better take a work. picture of the parking spot. I, I had to train myself to do that. Like I had to You're actually so right. train myself to do that. It's a skill. It's a, because I've, I think I lost like 30 pounds walking around trying to find my car, you know, but yeah, if you take, if you just do it once, it will just change your life in that area and you will never go back. Just, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I need to, I am, uh, yeah, I like one thing that I kind of battle now, if I'm being like, just fully open about it is like, I'm so thankful for all of the different things that I'm doing because I truly have such a deep passion for them what I wrestle with now is there are only so many hours in the day and there is only so much effort we can give. And as much as like, you know, I'm a person who grew up and I think we all pride ourselves on like, no, cause we'll dig deep and we're like, yes. But when you get to the bottom of that dig deep, there still is only so many hours that you yeah. can dig deep in a day. And like, so me just realizing like there's a finite, amount of me, Alex, that I can put into the world and do things. And I'm just like, over the last couple of months, been challenging myself of like, okay, it's cool. And I love all of these different things, but like, I do need to maybe narrow the focus a little bit. Take a Uh, breath. Take a breath. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, uh, one fear that I have is like, am I going to dilute the impact that I could possibly do because it's diffused over five different things versus one to two. Um, so I wrestle with that. Yeah. With, that's one part of me. The other part of me is like, I freaking like all these things. So <laughs> how do I not do that? Yeah. I think maybe it'll start to filter itself out and things will start settling and you'll land on that one or two things maybe. And you'll find another way to go do the other stuff, you know, to incorporate that in. Yeah. What about like, family life can you see the whole house 100%. and kids and, and family in your world i can't even imagine with kids with you right it, you'd be, <laughs> I like, <laughs> you could I be would, a monkey climbing up the <laughs> curtains and stuff i would have so much fun with that like i i do feel like it's not yet but like it's coming and i would just love that like some of i love just like i love being with people and like the yeah. thought of like having a little crew like that sounds just like awesome i don't know if we'll have like a house or if it'll i don't know that's one thing where i'm like i don't know what it'll look like you know yeah yeah, yeah. it'll be fun whenever whenever it happens you could just yeah. do tenter you could like bounce around to yeah, different yeah, tents yeah. across the country that'd be a fun experience people do that they take their family and just like when the kids are little just go travel all over and the kids speak like three different languages by the time they're five it's amazing I dig it's, it. It's fun. All right. Is there something that you are not good at that you want to be good at? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, like the not fun answer is like, I could definitely be more organized. Like that is, uh, that's one. Um, let's see. I'm learning the piano. I'm like looking over at the piano here. I'm not very good at it, but like, that's one thing where I'm just like, I want to do it. And I'm sick of, I was sick of hearing myself say, I want to play the piano. So I was like, all right, just freaking start. And uh, been taking lessons for like almost a year now. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you could play the piano. I can play the piano. I'm just, I would like to be able to play more, but yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're taking lessons for a year. I, I feel like you could play the piano. All right. Is there somebody, if I could call up anybody in the entire world that you have not met yet and you would like to meet, Oof. who would that be? Just to hang out in whatever version of hangout you have as a freaking ninja, you know, but, uh, you know, just to spend an afternoon with. All right. I have three. Okay. I'm, okay. I'll, I'll get the phone. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> One is Jim Carrey. Uh, I just think he's such an interesting dude. And I think it would be, uh, yeah, I just think like that would be, it's funny. Cause like, that's like more of like, uh, spiritual and comedy and like life view talk. Then one is the rock. Uh, I just like have such appreciation for like, I have such appreciation for people who excel at something 
and then change their focus and then excel at that next thing and change their focus. Like Justin Timberlake's another person like that, but the rock like literally played D one football and then was like, okay, wrestling was incredible at wrestling. Okay. Acting incredible at acting and like business, incredible business. So I just, I would just think it'd be really interesting to just like hear some, some wisdom from him. Yeah. And then Tony Robbins, uh, just cause like, yeah, I'm into it hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like he's probably the one who's the most accessible if you're just willing to, you know, pay the cost of, of entry, right? That's true. You, um, and that's worth it, man. That's, that's a good investment, I think, personally. Yeah, what, that's true. Know? Yeah. Um, he's a good one to learn from, I think. You know, he's done a lot of things. Yeah. Made a lot of, made a lot of waves in the world in a good way, in a good way. All right. So I got to meet you at TEDx when I got to speak at the same event as you. But for me, that was like my TEDx thing. You know, I got into TEDx and that's great. And it was like hard that I'd been trying and trying to get into TEDx over the years. And I've tried since then. And I've been like, oh, no, thanks, Barb, you know, but I can speak. I'm like, oh, great. And then I see Alex Weber, TEDx, Alex Weber, TEDx. I'm a freaking, so talk A, for people who may not know what TEDx is, tell quickly about what that is. And then B, how did you wind up doing those talks and why are they so important to you? Because it takes a lot of work to, it looks like it's easy for that 10 or 12 or 17 minute talk, but that's a lot of work put in. So why would you yeah. invest so much time and effort in doing that? Um, well, it's, yes, good question, Barb. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> like, so I, I think like the, and it is like kind of an interesting story. It's like, again, um, so basically I was hosting American Ninja Warrior and um, I knew that I wanted to do what I'm now calling motivational comedy. And so again, showing up, even though it's uncomfortable, all this, the first, like one of the first talks I did was at my alma mater. So I went back to Penn Lacrosse and spoke there, but the coach was kind enough to have me and uh, I filmed it so that I could have something smart, to very smart. Like, yes. You know, cause I'm, you can't, yes. ask, it's really like, you can't ask people to see it like without yeah. seeing it. So, um, I filmed that and, um, I like had this brewing in me that I was like, my, my soul was like, you need to do this. You need to do this. And I think this can be a thing. And, um, I feel like now even like talking to make it more of a thing. Uh, but we won this big, we won this big award for best digital series for the series that I hosted for NBC. So like super cool. We like, what series was that? So that was, I was hosting, it was called Crash in the Course. It was for American Ninja Warrior with NBC, a digital series. So thankful for every single little part of that. Um, yeah. And um, I had a meeting after the season, after we won the award um, at NBC. And they were like, so like, we won, that's awesome. And like, we nailed it and like, we wrapped. And it was basically like, uh, we finished won this award and like that was the end of the series and i was like oh, like i love this so much like i remember driving back from that meeting and being having that like sick nauseous feeling because i was heartbroken that this was ending i was like oh my god i love ninja so much i love doing this and i was scared and it was one of those moments where i was like okay what do i want to do with my moments on earth like what do i want to do with my life like what do i want to do with my moments here and I was like, I want to do the motivational comedy. And the next like week, I applied to some TEDx's. I just like sent out like you know maybe like five or ten applications to them. Um, and then I got some of them. And I was like, oh crap! And I'm <laughs> was so thankful for it because it was such a pat on the butt of like, hey, you can do this. Um, it was just like great to have that as we all are like self-starters, we have to have a lot of self-belief and do it. And a lot of times people won't see it or they'll have doubt or they'll have criticisms. So to get that validation from people of support is like awesome. And to get it from them was, and their credibility was like very encouraging. Um, so I did those and then I was like, I'm done. I'm not going to do any more unless like I have an idea that I feel is like, really valuable or unique or, and at that time, uh, so I'd done four of them and I was like, I'm done. Um, but then like, I 
kept noticing that there was this like, I love sports and I love people. And there's this incredible occurrence that happens where after a tragedy hits a city, the sports team wins the championship, which is like bananas that that happens. Like these are pro sports. Like no one's letting people win. Like just because they had a rough patch, like the other teams don't care. But now all these professional athletes who are supposed to already be doing their best are like, oh no, we can do better. Uh, so I, so then I applied and I did a fifth one, um, last fall. Um, and I don't think I'll do any others, uh, but, um, we shall see. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, as, as doing it, I think what they have done is just like a really cool, special thing for providing a platform for people to share an array of different ideas. Right. Love it. Great. All right. American snippets. We talk a lot and you epitomize this, right? We talk a lot about the American dream. There's a lot going on in this country now. A lot of people, um, or the stories that are being shown out there are that people are disgruntled and feel like they can't reach their potential. They feel like they can't do what what it is they want to do, that the opportunities don't exist in this country anymore. We are, you know, we reject that notion and we're, we're living our own version of the American dream, but it is different for everybody. And it does mean something. The concept of the American dream means something different to everybody. For me, as a military family, um, you know, I lost my husband in Iraq. I know a lot of good people who um, served and sacrificed. And so for me, it means a lot to see people doing their best and living the dream and people like you just taking advantage of everything in this country. It's, it's great. And for us, it's you know what the service is for, right? But if I was to ask you, so that's why it's personal to me, right? But what does the American dream mean to you? I first off can't thank you enough for saying that that means so much and, and from you and, and what your family has done. And uh, thank you for saying that. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, it. it's true. It makes me, it feels great to see people like enjoying this country, you know, that's such a great outlook. Yeah. Um, that really is Barb. Like it's so this, I love America so much <laughs> and like, especially like traveling and seeing different parts of it. Like, I think what sometimes people and I encourage people to do is to like the government and politics and all that, that's like a thing, but that's not America. Like America is this land and the people and the people here are so awesome. Um, So I love this country and I, I feel like we just have like the freedom of choice is incredible here. And like, if you wake up and you go about it the right way. Like if you want to move somewhere or do something new, like rock on, do it. And like, that's incredible. Like if you, and there's so many like different lifestyles in America, which is like, that's one thing I'm thankful for with traveling is like, there's just so many pockets in America where like your life can look like whatever you want it to look like here. Um, so Yeah. It's, and you fired me up just hearing you say that is just like, you know, cause it's like, I'm like everyone else. Like we, we feel pressure and we feel stressed and our perspective shifts and just your outlook is so great where it's like, no, we get to do all these things. So like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm fired up now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. So am I, this has been so much fun to hanging out and, and talking with you and I really could go on and on. I see I've kept you way past our 45 oh, minutes so here. Fun. So we're just going to have to have you back again and follow up on the other yes. chapter of, of Alex Weber. Thank <laughs> you so, so much. If people listening want to hop on, follow you on Instagram, Facebook, book you to speak because you come out, you do these amazing talks, right? Um, where can they go to, to connect with you and look into all that? I appreciate that. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm Alex Weber with one B on, on all the things. And, uh, that's my, my website as well. And, um, yeah, it'd be awesome to impact and support people wherever I can. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. There you have it, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of American Snippets. Appreciate you being here today. 
Also, like to personally thank Alex Weber for sharing his story as well. If you got any value out of today's episode, which I'm sure you did, or any value out of episodes that we've done in the past, please share this podcast with a friend. Share this episode on social media, on Instagram, uh, or on Facebook. Uh, let us know what you think. Also, if you haven't done so already, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. iTunes reviews go such a long way at helping us get these stories out there in front of new people and kind of expand our reach and our audience. And quite frankly, these are stories that need to be told. If you want to learn more about Alex Weber and all the things that he does, don't forget to check out americansnippets.com forward slash 103. You can see the full video interview there, See the uh, read the full featured article that Barbara put together on Alex Weber. And we also include the social media links to his social media profiles and his website so you can follow him and learn more. Don't forget, we have our Great American Summit coming up in April of 2020, uh, greatamericansummit.com. This is the only event that links patriotism with personal and professional achievement, and you are not going to want to miss it. Right now, we have an early bird offer going on uh, for a limited time only, up to 50% off all ticket tiers. So if you're someone who stands for the flag, is patriotic, uh, you celebrate all the freedoms and opportunities that this country has to offer, then you're definitely going to want to get your seat to the Great American Summit. So reserve your seat today. Go to greatamericansummit.com and unleash your patriotism and potential. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time. <laughs>